and we are recording. Welcome to the latest Watercolors Gallery podcast brought to you from the Aquarium Rush Studios in downtown Grand Rapids, Michigan. My name is Ben. I'm Amy. And I'm Charles. Today it's time for Tales from the Crypt. Okay, <laughs> not real. Wow, that was a throwback. <laughs> Somebody had to make that joke, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, before we start talking about plants, there is something else we should do. Talk we should about talk plants. about plants. <laughs> <laughs> like where you can buy them, maybe? Yeah, we do have a ton of crypts up for sale right now on watercoloursaquariumgallery.com. Um, and I should be able to add some more before this episode comes out. So keep a lookout for that. But that's not all we have. We have tons of other plants. We have merch designed by Ben and myself. And we have aquarium goods for your perusal. There you go. Those plants are looking awesome. I know. I know. We sent out an order today to uh, just one of our regular customers. And I'm looking at all this like, man, it looks like he's setting up a new tank. Do I need to set up a new tank? <laughs> <laughs> a, little, a little plant envy going on. I know. On, huh? They looked really good. <laughs> I totally get it. So we're going to try um, and do a deep dive into the genus Cryptocrine, Cryptocrine, Cryptos, Cryptes, Crypts. <laughs> Water trumpets. Water trumpets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think cryptocarina is the like technical pronunciation of the word, but man, it's really hard to get yourself to say that every time. I was time. about to say in my head, I've been saying cryptocarini. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I really want to say is cryptocorn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair. I feel like I've heard speakers call it cryptocrines. Cryptocrines. I've definitely heard that. Yeah. But I uh, think like it's that Greek. Uh, like suffix, isn't it? That's yeah, I'm pretty the, sure. Like, or, or whatever. I think the biggest takeaway from that little little back and forth is that's why we just call them crips. Yep. Right. <laughs> Spell it out when you need to research something. Otherwise, everyone knows what you mean and no one's judging you for saying crips. Right. It's definitely the case that if you try to Google crypt, you don't get yeah. plants. If you no. Google crypt plants, you do get some some things to come up. Yeah. If you Google crypt plants or anything, you're probably going to get a hundred resources that sell them and maybe one or two that actually tell you about them. I can tell you this from personal experience. If you type in to Google crypt propagation, Google has no idea what you're saying. <laughs> That's kind of impressive to come up with something that Google doesn't recognize. Yeah. It's one of those things that people have super <clears throat> specialized knowledge of, but not a lot of it is like condensed into one source. There is a really cool resource out there that's uh, cryptocurrineworld.org. Yes. That has mm -hmm. a ton of info, but that's really the only thing I can find. It's called the Crips Pages. That's what they headline it as. It's like, it, I have to peek at my computer just a sec because I think I found the same pages. Probably. It had all the documents and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, this, this website looks like it hasn't been like reformatted since like 2009 yes yep that's the exact same ones i was looking at uh dr bastmeyer is yes. the the person Thank um, you. and i did notice that um the other main reference that i used was crystal castleman's book mm -hmm. she is referenced on dr bastmeyer's page and dr bastmeyer is referenced in uh crystal's book um aquarium plants yeah, the world of crypt keepers, let's say, is pretty yeah. small, <laughs> yeah. pretty tight knit. So, trying to organize a talk on crypts, we had all these great ideas that seemed like they were going to work, and I think maybe we're going to kind of loosely organize this talk. But it's a really big, complicated thing, and I also noticed that there were three or four different sources that didn't all necessarily agree with each other. 
So if, if we're talking about some stuff and you say, hey, that's not how I read it or that's not how I heard it, here's how I decided to choose who was right. I went with Crystal. Yeah. Yeah, that just <laughs> seemed... So that's Crystal, Castleman's, Crystal Castleman's book, Aquarium Plants, which uh, if you are listening to this podcast, you clearly are way into aquarium plants. If you don't have this book, go get it. It's amazing. You can order it directly from Crystal. You can find her on Facebook. Order it from her. Um, she ships them from Germany. She signs every book. And uh, If you ask. If you ask. Yeah. Ask her to sign it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Um, of course, that would be the stipulation she gives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really just like you send her a message and then she'll do it. Yeah. yeah. Like right. I'm just being funny. It's uh, definitely the case that my, what I say about this book is if I could invent the coolest aquarium book ever on plants, it would not be as good as this book. I mean, so. for reference, this is a plant book that I read. <laughs> right. Like, that's, that's a pretty big endorsement on this <laughs> podcast. I don't know what else to say, guys. <laughs> yes, I, I keep it in my nightstand for midnight uh, plant. <laughs> What's that one called? Oh, there are a couple of good reasons to, to look at Crystal's book. Number one is just it's so recent. Like, yeah. it's really hard to find information that's been sort of looked at in recent years versus things that have changed um, in the past. But we also use it as a reference for everything. So, like, it equalizes all the yeah. information. Well, and it's nice to have one source that you decide, okay, that's the source I'm going to call currently accurate. Mm-hmm. Even though some people might say this source is currently accurate because of this. For our purposes, if she says this is how it is and we do it that way, we're not going to be doing it wrong. Right. So, and as Aquarius, we want to be as scientific as possible. But at the end of the day, we just need to know what each other are talking about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> so my, my portion of this was supposed to be kind of the taxonomy or the organization of crypt plants. And we did that so well when we did our beta talk. It was really easy. Here's the beta casino complex. Here's the this complex. There's, there's no source for that. I looked. I looked a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I organized best I could according to location. Like, where is this crypt found? Mm-hmm. Which we kind of care about. It matters a little, but mostly we don't care that much about it. And so then I, I took that list of all of the crypts that I could come up with. And I also went to every single wholesale and retail site we use on a regular basis and our wholesale list and found the list of every crypt I could possibly find. And then I'll bring that back to which ones are small and skinny, which ones are small and wide, which ones are medium and skinny, which ones are medium and wide, which ones are large and skinny, and which ones are large and wide. Yeah, fair enough. Seemed like, you know, what we really want to know. And there's a crypt for every placement. There is. Yeah. Um, there is one category of unlikely aquatic or unknown culture. Mm. And so that's even ones where Crystal said, yeah, don't bother trying it in an aquarium. It probably won't work. <laughs> so those are the categories that I broke it down in. Um, I did see one argument for how to taxonomically organize crypts, and I didn't find a lot of extensive information on it. But plants are really prone to what are known as polyploidy events where, um, so like we're diploid. That means we have two copies of our chromosomes. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, another fun fact, uh, the types of bananas you eat are called Cavendishes. They're triploid. So they have a 
three copies. Oh, wow. That means there's an uneven number of chromosomes. That's why they're seedless. They can't divide evenly. So um, plants are really prone to these polyploidy events where they suddenly make extra copies of chromosomes. And um, so like in Cryptocorini, um, I managed to find five different chromosome counts and I could only find one example of each chromosome count. So I can't give you like, this is this one, but I can say um, uh, Crypt Hodorori has... Hodoroi has 20 chromosomes. Beketai has 28 chromosomes. Uh, Longikata has 30. Minima has 34. And Bekanensis has 68. And that's the extent that I can tell you. <laughs> that's... <laughs> <laughs> so much of this information is like, okay, what do I do with that? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just uh, like these polyploidy events are like as far as evolutionary concerned they're fairly frequent but they're still rare enough that like like if you have a group of crypts that all have 68 chromosomes you're like okay they're probably more closely related to each other because they both they're all descended from after that event most likely you know the distribution is Insane. really wide yeah so that's it India all the way to Papua New Guinea um, New Guinea, uh, the Philippines, so Sri Lanka, India, Malaysia, Thailand, Philippines, Borneo, and Sumatra. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> so like everywhere tropical on that half of the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of sums it up. This wow. is a weird question. Amy, can you look up where the Wallace line is? That the Wallace line is that that's the line that separates, um, uh, the Malay Peninsula, just the, is it Irian Java from Malaysia, I believe, is where that line is? I think so, but I, I, I want to know for sure before I make this next comment. Yeah. So this looks like it goes up through Java between Borneo and Sulawesi and then between the Philippines and New Guinea. According Wait, is to that this a north-south line or an east-west A, a north-south. Oh, yeah. it is. Oh, that's yeah. what I was thinking. It's a, it's a little squiggly. That is the line I was thinking of. So the Wallace line is a general thought experiment in um, evolutionary biology because there seems to be a distinct difference between fauna on the west side and east side of this line. And so there's a lot of speculation as to why like, you can go more or less to that line and like stuff on one side of it is completely different from stuff on the other side. So what I was trying to piece out there is this something that crosses the Wallace line. It does cross the Wallace yeah. line. Yeah. Um, bettas don't. Yeah. And rainbow fish don't. Bettas and rainbow fish, there's no place that bettas and rainbow fish are found in the same place. And the Wallace line, I think one of the continents is like 60 miles apart. Yeah. Something like that. It's or not continents. One of the islands are 60 miles from the, the island that's on the other side of the Wallace line. And there's rainbow fish in Madagascar. So they, how they could get to Madagascar, and I know how they got to Madagascar. I don't need that one answered. But how it is that they're that far away that way, but not 60 miles north. Yeah. And it's not a climate issue. The climate is, is essentially the same there 
But yeah, that Wallace line is a fascinating line, but crypts do cross it. Mm. Yep. Anyway, sorry, tangent. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> a it's a reasonable tangent. It's um it matters to us as fish keepers. It's a good illustration of how just so widespread and adaptable this group of plants is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep. I mean, as long as we're on this topic, do we want to talk about their habitats real quick before we go back to species? Yeah, I think habitats and reproduction. Dude, like literally uh, the scientific literature goes anywhere from peat bugs to uh, what, what did I write down? Um, oh, uh, slow trickling streams with limestone in it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be another good way to you know, functionally divide them is to hard water crypts and soft water crypts. Yeah. True. I started looking at that. And of course, I used crystal as a reference. And as soon as I found five of them that were described from hard water regions that when she gets to her section on culture, it says easy in any type of aquarium. Don't worry about pH. Right. And mm -hmm. then there were two of them that were really soft water ones uh, like went die. Right. Right. But we go went die anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I stopped deciding that that was something to value. Really. The, the, the value of that one was... Yeah, it really seems like it f means, like, in practice, it, it'll grow a little bit faster in this type of water most <laughs> yeah, of the time true. for the readily available species, I think, for sure. Yeah, there are some of the rarer species, and they talk about it a little bit in that one Amazonas issue I was dragging around earlier today, um, that some of the rarer species tend to be a little bit touchier about being in soft water. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, they specifically said beech leaves? Yeah. yeah. Which was one of those, like odd specificities like mm -hmm. that like I, I never understood why better people are obsessed specifically with catapa leaves like yes that that's a great source of tannins but so are a lot of other things <laughs> i wonder if it's availability maybe i think it's also a little bit well you like one person's using them and then everybody learns that that's the thing to use and don't think about well, they're just leaves, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that must be the only thing that works if it worked for that guy. Fair. That's probably true. They have funky inflorescence. Yeah, that's actually the only way to really truly identify mm -hmm. crypts is their inflorescence are unique to each species. Um, most species will actually have slightly different morphology based on their environment. So like, that's not always the best tell. Uh, Just look at the different, how many different varieties of naturally occurring varieties of cryptwentai there. Yeah. Or like, like I think the one we've talked about the most plants are weird. The, yeah. the one phenotypic plasticity we've talked about the most with plants in this podcast are vowels or yeah. like, yeah, those things will grow drastically differently based on what your environment you're keeping them in. Yeah. Um, but these inflorescence are really cool. A lot of people will call them a flower. They're technically not. Um, they're called a uh, spathe. I'm going to uh, call it a flower 50 times in this episode. Yeah. I'm just warning you right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember quite the, uh, like, a flower has specific petals that are a distinct structure. A spathe is basically a weird colored leaf. <laughs> like functionally it's it's more complicated than that but functionally for the purposes of this podcast that's what it is yeah okay i'm reading the definition it, this is just like every time you're looking up plant like morphology the the different 
parts of plants, you get other new made-up sounding words, so I'm going to read this. A spathe is a single bract that su- surrounds the spadix, which is a flowering spike. I've never heard the word bract or spadix before. <laughs> yeah, bract um, is a specific type of uh, leaf structure. Yeah, it, yeah. It's a type of modified leaf instead of like an actual flower petal, yeah. I think, is the, so the root like of that. a funky-looking peace lily flower. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they're or actually the distantly pulpit. related. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't um, call them uh, water trumpets for nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what that spathe is, it's technically not a reproductive structure like a lot of flowers are. If you look at it, then there has this, it's called a kettle. And the kettle is where actually the reproductive structures are. So the spathe is functionally a funnel to the flower. It's a place that's supposed to hold a bunch of stinky stuff to attract little fruit flies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, these uh, fully flowered smell like rotting meat. Fun fact. <laughs> yeah, um, I've had them fully flowered, not many of them, and you don't smell it. Yeah, don't, well. Don't be like, oh no, my crypt is going to flower. It's going to smell. <laughs> no, it's not going to smell. If it smells, get over it. You're blessed with a crypt <laughs> flower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I've successfully had two species flower. Mm, which one ones? of them is a very easy one, Eusteriana, Ooh. and that flowers underwater pretty regularly. And then I had um, Willisai. Mm-hmm. Nope. Nope. Crispatula variation tonkinensis. I had that flower under. Mm. Uh, that one immersed. So I specifically grew that one immersed. Yeah, that's the most reliable way to get them to flower. They don't, mm-hmm. uh, other than the Eusteriana, they don't, flowers don't. I, we're going to call them flowers. I know I just said they're not flowers. I don't care right now. Yeah. Okay. Flowers don't work underwater. Right. <laughs> Pollen is weird. Yeah. It's not yeah. designed to be spread via water. It's designed to be spread via, via bugs. Right. Some of the crypt plants are fully aquatic. Yeah. But they stick the spade or flower up above the water surface. Like, Some of them, um, like cryptalbita, grows well underwater but it has to grow immersed in order to flower. And so the leaves, it actually has to produce immersed leaves. And the immersed leaves of albida versus the submerged leaves are completely different, as they are for a lot of crypts. But albida is one of those that's like, this is a completely different looking plant. I'm kind of picking on that one because um, Calder recently helped me identify the one that I saw in Thailand, and it was most likely albida. Mm. The underwater leaves were these teeny little brown kind of patterned really cool things and the immersed leaves were green leaves. Huh. I've seen some cool variants of albida out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Apparently I need to get more into albidas now because... <laughs> I'll keep an eye out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That might yeah. be one we need to special order though. As okay. long as we're talking about weird crypt varieties, just quick aside, crypt spiralis, um, what was it? The tiger? The tiger? Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> Yeah. It was like, how do I describe this? It was like a dark, dark green with like uh, almost bronzy chevrons all over it. I was like, what in the world? That's what albida looks like, only a teeny little version of it. Oh my God. Yeah, they're super cool. There's a striolata tiger too that's really nice. Although when you say that, I'm just getting mad because our mean, evil editor Nick has this gorgeous tank full of tiger and he won't bring me any. <laughs> Well, like, he's please. he's out of the state. Let's go beat up. Let's his oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Let's beat go up his intimidate and his girlfriend into yeah. letting us in. She's pretty cool. I bet she'd let us in. Listen, yeah. I'm here for the plants. Yep, <laughs> she's been gone a while. She might be mad at him. Ooh. 
Yeah. yeah. I'm sure we could fuel that fire even mm-hmm. if she's not. Mm-hmm. That's you, what he said have, to me before he have left. Have I ever told the story on the podcast of the first time she came in? Mm-mm. She came in and she was like, oh, yeah, I'm... I'm Nick's girlfriend. And uh, uh, is he here? And I'm like, yeah, he's downstairs. You can go bug him. And she's like, oh, I don't want to intrude. I'm like, if you really feel bad, just sneak up on him and scare him for me. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, oh, okay. And I thought she was like, I thought I was breaking the ice. Like I was like giving her an out. And then like 30 seconds later, I hear, ah, from the basement. <laughs> I was just like, oh, dang, she actually did it. I'm so Perfect. proud of her. <laughs> Perfect. So she uh, got off on the right foot there. I want those plants. Dude. Yeah. I literally lost ours. <laughs> lost like it. Like it disappeared and I couldn't find it again. Oh, jeez. <laughs> they just got up and walked away. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think we had some vowels that took them out. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> were they the ones with the collection location? No, they weren't nice ones. They were ones I didn't want there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> bad. Anyway, just a tiny one. So we were talking space. Yeah. And then um, then the reproductive structures underneath, and which is really cool because that means everything's enclosed. And so like it's really hard for a bug to get in there and not brush up on everything. And then, of course, there's just that like, quote unquote, just the foliage, which I say it that way in that context, because like crypts like structurally are weirdly simple. Mm-hmm. They don't have a lot going on. And I, I think that might play into why they're so gosh darn adaptable. Like, they got to organize them somehow um the small and wide category is actually that's that's kind of the hard one there's not that many small and wide ones and it, they're really cool when you can get them and kiai is one of those um regina the variation silver queen that is mm. actually species regina from what i can find um that's another really cool small and wide one but that's also a challenging one bog dry cognata minima nurii which we can get do we mm. have we have a couple of little ones. Okay. <laughs> Those so were one of the that. ones that got smashed by the uh, melt. Oh, gotcha. Okay. But uh, yeah, they're, they're coming back and they're looking great. They're Good. just small. Good. Hopefully that one will, will have available. Yeah, that's the Rosen Maiden variant that's, oh, that's got cool. that really gorgeous texture. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. Those, those small and wide ones, they, they seem like they're the smallest. Like the skinny leafed ones don't stay that short. But the wide-leaved ones seems to, seem to stay shorter than the skin-leaved ones. Yeah, I think especially under planted tank lighting, they just kind of spread into this gorgeous rosette a oh, lot of the time. Yeah, they're super cool. Um, that makes them a little bit unique to use in an aquascape because those big leaves on a short plant kind of throw your perspective off a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you want to be aware of that perspective change. It might be one of those that's more suited to a look at my beautiful plants as opposed to a look at this incredible aquascape. Everybody's got their own eye for that artistic touch. Yeah, I think you can use it right as a nice, like, pop focal point yeah. towards the foreground. Yeah. A pop focal point in a nano tank. And yeah, that's true. It's a solid centerpiece for sure. Yeah. Um, the small skinny ones, the albida is a small skinny one. Mm-hmm. And then Furaginia, which I did find a site that it's available on. Um, Parva is one that we get all the time. Mm-hmm. Parva seems to have a lot of variation in it, too. I've seen that stuff stay like three, four inches tall, mm-hmm. and I've seen it get six inches tall. There's now a parva, was it dwarf parva? Yeah. That stays super small, but it's hard to grow. Yeah. I mean, you can only get it tissue culture and kind of got to baby it a little bit when you right. get it in. Um, I think you would probably need CO2 to kick it off. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, X purpurea, which I learned today what the X means. 
you, I'm sure you know what it means. No, yeah. I don't know. No? So it's crypt expropria. It's a, X is a naturally occurring hybrid. Oh. oh, oh, I see what you're oh. saying. Yep. Not like EX at the beginning, but yeah, like that's no, what I thought space. he was saying. X and yeah. then, and then okay. the name. Um, and it took some time to, to figure out exactly what they were saying with that. And the scientific literature actually describes it as expropria as well. It's not just this is a hybrid of these two plants. They like gave it a specific de- designation. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of hybridization happening in the wild in these. I saw, yeah. I didn't read any of them, but as I was perusing the scientific literature, there was like three or four that were like describing a hybridization event. I'm like, oh, okay. Right, right. Uh, Willisi is actually a hybrid. Mm. It's, mm. it's not Willisi, it's X Willisi. Yeah, it's Parva and something else. Uh, it's, it can be either Wakari or Beckedi. Mm, interesting. Right, which I found interesting that it could be two different options which makes me think it's going to end up being a little slightly different look right yeah yeah i'm um, curious which one we have now yeah <laughs> i don't know i don't know that we could figure it out the way that they the they figured out that was a naturally occurring hybrid is they are sterile hmm. so purple x purple and willisi are both sterile uh purple is a, a hybrid between griffithii and either cordata or zonata so that means they're propagating them vegetatively. Correct. Yeah, saying that they're uh, sterile, well, it's a plant. They're going to grow. You can yeah. still propagate them. It just don't, can't flower Every them and propagate, propagate Cavendish them. Cavendish banana you've ever eaten is a clone. Right. <laughs> yeah, which would probably mean that every crypt willisi that we've ever seen is a clone. Yeah. 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 Most of the commercially available crypt plants are propagated vegetatively anyway because... Flowering is problematic when it comes to these. Flowering things. is for fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and for hat points. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. Which I want more of them. Um, the medium skinny ones are, that's the ones, Wentai uh, is the, the most well-known medium skinny one. Um, and there's, I found one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different common known variations of Wentai. It's a little ridiculous. Right. Some of those are naturally occurring and some of those are developed. I was at the 2008 Aquatic Garden Association when convention when the Florida Aquatic Nurseries released their first uh, Crypt Wentai variation Florida Sunset. Or, yeah, Florida Sunset. Mm-hmm. And they went at auction for $145 a point. Oof, I believe right. it. Yep. And what year was this? 2008. So during a recession. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just really want to yeah. hone that in on everyone. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, I know I can grow this and I know I can sell it. You may as well spend that kind of money on it, right? People want those plants. I think it was three months later that we could buy it from a wholesaler and sell it for twenty nine ninety nine, And now we can buy it from a wholesaler and sell it for fourteen ninety nine. Yeah, but I bet, I mean, I guess buying it from like the biggest nursery that exists is also like... You're buying from your competition. Yeah. But, like, if you can get something rare, you can usually make it work. Or if you just want to say you had it first. It's true. That's who they went to. <laughs> they did not go to people trying to make money out. They went to people that, that wanted to say they had it first. <laughs> yeah. These are uh, the, the children of these uh, plant propagationists are the people that comment on YouTube videos saying first. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yep. Um. Pechiai is actually a variation of Beckedi. Didn't know that until today. 
there were a bunch of them that were like the variation of this. Yeah. And I was like, mm-hmm. what? Axel Rada is a variation of Angelata. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did not know that one. Yeah. That yeah. one I did know only because I remember going, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just turned that in for ATP points. And fortunately, varieties count because I have turned in um, Angelata as well. So, you know, two varieties. It, it counts. It works. Those are the long, skinny ones. And so I'm leaving a lot out because you don't ever find them. That was one of the ways that I, one of the ways that I looked through all the wholesale lists, that anything I found on a wholesale list is on this list. Yeah. Medium-wides, there are lots of those, and lots of really cool ones. Uh, my favorite one was, and this is another thing I didn't realize, Cryptoblasii is a variation of Cordata, as is Siamensis. Um, oh, I didn't know the Siamensis. Yeah, both variations of Cordata. Cordata's got lots of variations. Yeah. Right. Um, so these are the medium-wide plants. Cryptoblasii, I think that might be my favorite one in this group. Um, it's also available, which helps. Affinis, Fusca, Hooteri, Ponderdifolia, and Walkeri, um, which Lutea is a variation of Walkeri. Huh. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Fascinating. Ponderfolia is one of my favorite, like, unique leaf shapes for crypts. It looks more like a Lagenandra. Yeah. It's I got that, that really sort of wide leaf pointed at the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Lagenandria used to be part of crypt. Used to be part of the genus. And now they're considered very closely related. Yeah, they're super, super similar. Yeah, yeah they're... I'm trying to remember. I came across while I was reading. Their division is literally just their leaves. There are two different variations of how leaves grow out. That's the only distinction between wow. them. Yeah. yeah. And I would put the Legonandrias at just as easy as most of the crypts. Just a little bit slower growing. Mm-hmm. Kind of the growth rate of an Anubius, but yeah. he's of a crypt. The large skinny ones, uh, Balance is actually a variation of Crispatula. Mm-hmm. And some people actually say a synonym, not a variation. There's some debate on that. Some people say Crispatula is a little wider, Balance is a little skinnier. Some people say that's, um, what's a plasticity? Oh, phenotypic plasticity. Right. Yeah. You can yeah. say it's a little wider, it's a little skinnier, but neither of those things matter. <laughs> you can't get it to flower. Yeah, yeah. Retrospiralis uh, spiralis and Siva Dasanii. I never heard that it's one. It's available recently. I've never heard that yeah. name before. Yeah, it's pretty cool looking. Huh. Does it look like Spiralis and Retrospiralis? Yeah, but Tiger. Nice. Yeah, it looks a little bit more like Spiralis. Um, one of my all-time favorites, uh, Cryptosteriana, is in the large and wide category, along with Coronata, Ciliata, and Apanagetifolia. Panagetifolia is just a fun name mm-hmm. because it's a crypt that looks like a Panagetan. To me, it's an Panagetan you get all year round. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, just as I'm going through this list, I realized um, I don't know where Momonai fits in. I missed that one. Crystal will tell us, right? So Crystal knows all. Crystal knows all. So the way to, to use Crystal's book with the ones that you don't know is uh, you have to go into the index and figure out what page a plant is mentioned on, and then it'll say uh, where that variation occurs. Yeah, so Momonai is not in bold, which means Momonai is not a recognized species. Page 251. I knew that there was going to be one that I missed. 
Oh, 251 is, uh, according to her, it is synonymous with ponderdifolia. Not wow. a variation. Interesting. Crystal. It no. doesn't look the same <laughs> at all. <sighs> I wonder if that's growth conditions. I Could mean, it's be. A, definitely a similar plant. Yeah. Yeah. I would have said Mulmani was smaller. But maybe that's just growth conditions. Mm-hmm. Especially because the pontifolias that we're getting in from farms immersed mm-hmm. are usually really wide, really big. True. So that makes it even more different looking. Do some of the farms have Mulmani and pontifolia on the same list? Not that I have seen. We should, we should do some research on that one. Yeah, I'll look yeah. I don't see Mulmani listed very often at all. Right. I wonder if there's a reason for that, that if Mulmani doesn't actually exist anymore, it's all pontifolia. Could hmm, be. Fascinating. It's so hard with like commercially grown specimens too because they're all grown immersed. So like, if you can get them in, they're going to look different than they will in a month. They might look different when they get into your customer's tanks. They might look different the next time you order them. So the conditions make such a big difference to what you're getting that some of it is just kind of like a, we think this is this because someone said it is and it looks like it. (laughs) Um, Because that's kind of the best we can do sometimes. True, true. Uh, Some quick mentions that there are crypts that don't grow submerged. Like People try, they find them immersed out in the woods somewhere, they try to grow them submerged, they don't, they don't grow. Um, and so this is the list of those that either don't grow submerged or there's just not enough information or a lot of experts have tried and haven't successfully come up with the ways to grow them underwater. It's actually a little bit of a big list. Alba, Anamica, Araculear, Elliptica, Griffithi, Lingua, Longiquata, Paladinervia, Schultzi, Striolata, Thwatsii, and Vietnamensis. I see Striolata and Schultzi a lot. Do you? Yeah, they're pretty commonly sold tissue cultures. We should try them and see if we can grow them. Like I was just mentioning, that Striolata tiger. Oh, yeah, We that's saw right. a ton of those at the AGA auction. And, You're right. Um, I, think, I think they're being grown tissue culture mostly. but yeah. That tiger pattern is going to be a submerged pattern, not an immersed pattern. Right. So... Hmm. Um, yeah, at the very least, you definitely need CO2, but I wonder, right. I wonder how people are growing them. Yeah. Maybe they are just growing them immersed for propagation. Yeah, that could be. Hmm. Fascinating. Huh. No. I was saying that um, we've got that crypt willisai that's about ready to go, and it grows so much faster than a, for us than parva does, and that's true of every hybrid we have down there. Some robustness, or maybe they're getting the, the best qualities from both plants. And Yeah, I don't know what it is. You know, that the purpurea is a hybrid of um, cordata and griffithi, but griffithi is on that list of really difficult to grow. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's something to that. Like maybe they, like if the parent species are already colonizing the easier to grow habitats, this is what is surviving in other places? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But like we have two Ludwigia hybrids. We have a Repens and Arcuata, grows faster than either of those. And we have that um, Lacustris Palustris. Oh, we do? Yeah. Oh, cool. 
and that grows like crazy. I can't, nice. it, like, I can't even keep up with it. Really? I've been pruning it and just, I'm excited. Yeah, That's going to be great. Gonna be a cool one. So I'm looking at, I have, I, I made a list here of, of where crypts come from. And, you know, in, in light of the discussion about um, being conscious about where your crypts come from, where your aquarium species come from, maybe there's something to this, right? Maybe this list that I have, we know in a place like Thailand, the whole country is pretty darn accessible. There aren't places in Thailand that you're not going to be able to get to. There's lots of protections in places. In so there's lots of wonderful national parks in that country that they're pretty pristine. There's also palm oil and rubber and lumber and all of those things and uh, shrimp farming and fish farming and all the things that it's happening there. So in a country like that, if there's crypts that come from there, you're probably not going to be the one doing the damage. Is there some damage that might be done from the aquarium hobby? It's possible, but that's probably not the big player. It's at least probably not virgin territory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And a lot of the favorite ones come from Thailand. Um, Albina, Albida, Ciliata, Crispatula. Um, that's, those are all Thai. India, for sure. Same story, right? Um, the most populous country in the world. Ciliata, Spiralis, and Retrospiralis all come from India. Those are probably fine. Malaysia, that's hit and miss. There's parts of Malaysia that are completely untouched, and there's parts of Malaysia that are... Very touched. Very touched, thank you. That's probably the best <laughs> way to say it. Um, and that's where Ponderdifolia and Cordata, uh, Ciliata is there, Affinis is there. Um, Shulzai comes from Malaysia. If it's a rare new one, it probably comes from a rare new place. That maybe that's another way to think of it too, right? Yeah, I think for most of the commonly available species, you can kind of assume they were farmed. Like fresh imports are generally going to be a little bit more expensive, I would think. Yeah, yeah. Sri Lanka actually has, I'm looking at the Sri Lanka list, and there's a ton of them available from Sri Lanka. Bekadai, Wentai, Parva, Willisai, Alba, Wakarai, and Anjulata are all found in Sri Lanka. Wow. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I knew some of those, but not all of them. The favorite Such big a ones. small island. Yeah. The favorite big ones come from the Philippines. And how the heck did they get to the Philippines? I mean, that's a long way from where the rest of them are found. But that's Apanagetifolia and Eustiriana are both from the Philippines. Those had to have come from, like, collection trips and been propagated. I feel like that's the way that you see... Like, you get Eustiriana or Apanagetifolia from friends. You don't get them from wholesalers. That's very true. They, they are just starting to show up at wholesalers, but I think you're right that it happened the other way. It wasn't like farmers went in and collected a bunch and put them in a greenhouse. I right. think people went to the Philippines and look at this plant. I'm bringing it home. Mm -hmm. And it grew. Yeah. I know my first of both of those species came from hobbyists, not from wholesalers. And, and Apanagetifolia, I only got about three years ago for the first time. And had looked at plenty of wholesale lists. 
That is one that has randomly kind of shown up lately, though. It is now. Yeah, it's on two of our wholesale lists now. Which is good. So it's, it's just gorgeous. Together. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Both plants. Yeah. Sumatra might be the one that has... There's lots of, like, other than Borneo, which the list from Borneo is, like, they're only found in Borneo for most of them. Ciliata and Cordata are, are other places, but... It's a big, huge, long list, and it's stuff that's only found there. Wait, endemic species from Borneo? <laughs> no. Who could have guessed? What a crazy island. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Ciliata, Cordata, like some of the common ones. Uh, Mulmini, Pondodifolia, which now I'm realizing are the, probably the same thing. But then some pretty unique ones that I don't know anything about, like Wongsoy, Velosa, Scrolis. Never even heard of them. Fun names. Yeah, yeah. Do you see Fusca at all? Mm-mm. No, that's another one that's found um, in Sumatra. Oh, no, just in Sumatra. For some reason, I thought I saw that on a different list. None of the common regular ones. Well, no, Cordata. That's Borneo. Yeah, but I wouldn't even say that's like, it's somewhere in between rare and available. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Ciliata? No, not no. really. So, yeah. That's, it'll be interesting to see. Like There will be lots of new crit plants coming out of Borneo. It'll be interesting to see if that's a good thing or a bad thing for Borneo. Mm-hmm. I mean, hobbyists will love it, but mm-hmm. will it be for good reason or not? I don't know. It's a tough call. Yeah. Calder <laughs> might know better than us. Yeah. We should ask him. <laughs> yes, Calder. He's going to be like, no. <laughs> In that exact tone. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's definitely a genus that this, this has been in the hobby for years, but I think my first uh, vegetative turn-in was with Cryptwenti, mm-hmm. and I grew it under a single fluorescent aquarium strip light that was probably bought sometime in the 80s, maybe in the 90s, but probably bought in the 80s, and I bought it used. I mean, have we talked about how easy crypts are to propagate? Like, Not enough. I mean, that's, <laughs> I think that's, that's next here, right? Because we talked a little about about what they need to grow, but... You know, if you take a crypt, and I think a lot of people are afraid to do this, and open it up, you all of a sudden have 12. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I filled my first aquarium, a 40 breeder, my first, like, real aquarium, by going to the local grocery store, and they have plants there, but nobody knows what they are or whatever. They're just sitting there. And I bought one huge pot of Crypt Wentai. They sold it to me for $3 because they didn't know what it was, so they just sold it as the cheapest plant that they had. And that plant literally filled that whole tank. That's awesome. I just split it into pieces, and I was able to basically carpet the entire thing with Cryptwenti. So you want to spread your crypts, pick them apart, and give them some time, and they'll fill in, and you'll have twice as much before you know it. Those uh, bundles of, like, um, and I'm using the term bundles, bundles of crypt loosens we get in are probably one of our best plant deals here Mm -hmm. because like i loved getting those for my service accounts because splitting that plant Mm -hmm. into six or seven plantlets is so easy and it's six bucks yeah (laughs) they're they're really amazing now to get them to flower you're gonna have to do a little bit of work but to get them to propagate just just split them up i mean if you're getting one specimen you're probably getting a nice big one anyway (laughs) Yeah. About 10 years ago, there was a guy going around doing talks on getting plants to flower. 
and he had some pretty cool methods and I adapted those methods and that's how I got my non-Eusteriana crypt to flower. And so what his theory was is that it was the right kind of bacteria and microfauna along with the crypt that got it to flower. Okay. So what he would do is he would go to his local lakes and rivers and collect substrate, put that in a pot with some sand to cap it and plant the crypt in that pot and then grow those immersed. Oh, that's interesting. Right. So I thought, I'll try it. So I took a, um, and actually I did this for a lot of my flowers and it was a really fun way to grow a bunch of different plants, get them to flower and also breed Beth Bundens. So I took a large uh, plastic tote so it was probably a, I don't know, 20 gallon. Would that be about a 20 gallon tote? Yeah, about a 20 gallon yeah, plastic tote. Sure. And it was the clear plastic one. And I bought 15 or 20 of the short little clay pots, the probably three inch diameter clay pots. And then I went down to a local river with a five gallon bucket and a scoop. And I found some of the stinkiest, nastiest substrate where plants were growing that I could find and scooped. I think I probably got a half a gallon or maybe a gallon of substrate. That's all that it took. Brought that back and I planted crypt plants in that. Fill the tote up so it just covers the pot so the leaves of the plant were out of the water. And then I left that outside for about a week until I saw a little bit of growth on all my plants. Then I brought that inside and then I noticed mosquito larvae going crazy in my little <laughs> of pond. course. So I quick put a pair of bettas in there and glass tops and put, it was at that point, it was probably just fluorescent lights. No, it was two high output T5 lights that I put over the top of it. So two 24 inch high output T5s just set directly on top of that glass. That was the easiest way for me to get a ton of hat points because I did that and then I ignored it. I ignored it for probably two weeks. Every once in a while, I would open up and dump a little bit of flake food in. But most of the time, I wouldn't even do that. There was no filter. There was no heater. There was nothing. The light from the tank, no, it was high up T5, so they produce heat. That's where it all came from. I opened it up one time, and I had two plants flowering, and I saw baby bettas swimming around in the tank. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. It was very cool. That's really interesting to me because most of the uh, like reports that I've read about crypt flowering takes a few months this it was not crypts that were flowering oh after not two in weeks. this no it okay. was about I was gonna say five or six months before the crypts in that setup flowered i was wondering if maybe yeah. you would or that guy had found a shortcut and maybe their limitation was that microfauna developing i don't know but no it de- they definitely took a long time to flower and okay. i jumped up and celebrated when i actually <laughs> saw crypt flowers in there it might have even been two species i'm gonna have to check my notes to see which ones they were it might have been two species of crypts that i successfully flowered like that um that has been by far my most successful way to get plants to flower and ignore it yeah that One- seems like what people are like a very similar method either more or less water or whatever but yeah. Keep their feet wet. Keep their heads dry. Yeah. <laughs> or steamy, not dry. Yeah. Steamy yeah. as possible. The, the glass tops were important because I think the, the air needed to be extremely humid. They come from rainforests. Um, what else do I think was important factors? The heat from the lights was important. 
So if you're using LEDs, which is what I would do now, I think it would need a heater. On that, uh, I, I keep leading back to the Crips pages, but on their uh, instructions for like how to generate heat, it was build a box and put two incandescent light bulbs in there and wire them in. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. That was what we had before. We I mean, that was it. Yeah, that was the only way we had to do it. <laughs> we do not need to create a fire hazard. You can use an aquarium heater and LEDs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Please. But keeping the temperature consistent is something I saw repeatedly too, or right. at least where they want it to be, right. roughly. Right. There are any people that are involved in their HAP program in their club. I successfully did 76 species in one year in not a lot of space. I had a giant fish room with lots of tanks, but not many of them were that good of plant tanks. So here's all of my little secrets on what it took. I am now like by like 80 points ahead of anybody else in the club. And I keep challenging people to say, come on, catch up. Here's how I did it. Here's all my secrets. And nobody did it. I was horticulturist of the year, I think for six years. That just means I turned in the most, got the most points that year. So if you are a member of a club and want to get those plaques, want to get those points, these are all the little tricks that make it really, really easy to do. So go do it because it's fun. And then you can win stuff. Mm -hmm. Maybe we need to have a competition with our listeners or something. Oh, that'd be cool. Mm -hmm. Our own little HAP. Yeah. Yeah. Or something simpler than that. <laughs> <laughs> so what if we did this? What if we come up with some kind of a competition? Because what I want is the involvement in aquarium clubs. Mm -hmm. Right? So whoever can pull off getting the most awards in their aquarium club for 2024 mm -hmm. will send something good. I just want to know how people are doing, too. If you yeah. don't think you're the most, send it in, because you probably are. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> right? Let's get some friendly competition going. Yep. Crips were an easy one because they vegetatively propagate. Put them in a tank and forget about them, and then pretty soon you'll have more, and you can turn that into your local aquarium club. So it's easy. But, like, they're one of the harder ones. And I'm not saying that's hard. I'm saying that there are even easier plants to do this with. That's true, yeah. <laughs> But, but crypts are kind of like the I don't want to I don't want to put a lot of time or effort into mm -hmm. growing plants I just want some that I can get some points for whatever tank you have if you have fish that are not going to eat them put crypts in and you'll get points right that's it you'll get right. reproduction out of your crypts yeah without necessarily needing to be you know even fertilizing yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Went dye will grow great without fertilizer. It will grow great in low light. So will um, balance A. So will willis eye. So will loosens. Mm -hmm. Easy plants. Yep. What did we miss? I don't know. I would love to hear about somebody who successfully manages to uh, get viable seeds from a crypt plant. Ooh, that would be cool. That would be the biggest challenge ever. Um, yeah, if you've successfully done that, I really want to hear about how that's done. And yeah. we could do a whole podcast on what it would take to get that 
because that would be a cool one. Otherwise, I mean, I think we kind of covered it. You know, here's all the the ways to grow them. Put them in tank and keep them wet. <laughs> a whole bunch of different varieties for use in aquascapes. So there's foreground plants, background plants, and mid-ground plants, and big plants and little plants. Um, Do we talk about maybe selecting specimens? Because that, yeah. to me, is going to be one of the biggest troubles that people will have at first is, you know, I think if you're buying brand new immersed crypts, then that's when you're going to have a problem. So try and look for ones that you can tell have been in the tank for a while. And then you probably won't have to deal with melts or any of those other common problems. One of the plants that I like to sell here the most are those the equipped wind dye production tank that we have. Mm-hmm. That is actually it's one of our, our regular sales tanks that I don't know how often we actually put new crypt wind dyes in that tank, but not very often because we don't have to. Mm-hmm. They just keep growing in there and we keep selling out of that tank because that one's really easy. The crypt wind dye, I think, is the, that's the one to start with. Mm-hmm. And if you see sprouts shooting up in your uh, local fish store's tank, Buy those because they'll be easy. It'll be adapted to your water. Most aquarium stores in their sales tanks are not putting a ton of effort in them. Mm-hmm. We're putting a little more effort, I think, than the average aquarium store, but not in all of our tanks. And in that one, there's no, we're not like, let's grow plants here. Yeah, I'm feeding the jungle valves. I'm not feeding the crypts. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and that even has, doesn't even have one of the good lights on it. Mm-mm. And it just grows. Um, but yeah, that's a great point. That is a two foot light for a four foot tank. Actually, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's a little embarrassing. We shouldn't admit that out loud, Amy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's what we had and it works for what's in there. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it does the job. Yeah. It doesn't need anything more. You can get way more complicated with these plants. Uh, the Florida sunset's actually a little bit trickier to grow. And the uh, flamingo, mm-hmm. the pink flamingo is to keep it that pink, small pink color is it's tricky. The flamingo doesn't stay pink either. Like, it, it yeah. will green out as it gets bigger. The um, pink panther is the one to look That's for. That's the one? That's okay. the one that'll stick that cotton candy pink if you can keep it nice. Super bright light in the CO2, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's still a wentai. That's the crazy thing. Yeah. yeah. The variation in that species is, is incredible. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You can add bright green to an aquarium with crypts. You can add magenta. Mm-hmm. Deep add red. Deep red. Deep dark green, bronze. There's, yeah, there's too much. I don't know. It's, this, this topic just turns into this kind of giant to try and figure out how to, how to wrangle in. Um, yeah. If you see new growth at your local fish store, I think that's a pretty good sign. That, yeah, that's true. You know, if those new little leaves, they might even look different than the bigger leaves. That's what to look for, that they're healthy, that they're ready to start growing. Right. Yep. Um, the list of unknowns and difficult ones. If you have had success with the those scripts, that's something else I'd really like to hear about. Um, and show me some pictures because I think that would be cool to see. It was uh, when I when I saw that key eye in... in from one source said, it's extremely difficult. Don't even bother trying it. Another one said, here's this really easy crypt plant. You should buy it because it's really easy to grow. That made me think that the, the variation that Amy was talking about, that the conditions were so different here than they were there that one person thought it was easy and one person thought it was hard. Yeah. And that's a notable thing with the variation in the water and parameters. Yeah, if you're growing a Schultz eye or what was the other one underwater? 
I'd love to see that because I see those for sale all the time. Yeah, yeah. Schultz I, and... Albita? No, not Albita. That one's grown. All right, so that list was uh, Alba, Anamika, Aracula, Elliptica, Griffithi, Lingua, Longiquata, Paladiverna, Schultzai, Striolata. That was the one. Oh, Striolata, yeah. Thwatsii yeah. yeah. and Vietnamensis. Yeah. So if you have either of those, please post. But honestly, I want to see all your crypt pictures. Yep, for sure. There's so a lot of cool ones out there. Post them on our Watercolors Aquarium Gallery podcast listeners group on Facebook. We love to see those. Um, you can also email any questions, pictures, um, share some stories at podcast at watercoloursaquariumgallery.com. Um, we do like to see that, too. That's been fun. And we're always looking for more questions to do a listener's questions episode because that's a blast and, and we like to hear from you guys. We've got some cool ideas on podcast ideas, too, so keep those coming, too. Yeah, we, we do like the ideas of what to talk about. Um, yes, we will theoretically get to native fish eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're working on it. Well, thank you so much for listening. Let's have lots of fun and keep those hands wet.